my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with Bregan Sims. How are you, Bregan? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be chatting with you. Yes, I am super excited to be chatting with you as well, Bregan. Bregan is uh, is talking to us all the way from uh, Sydney, Australia, and um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about why she's down under. But uh, she just told me that she sat down at her computer this morning um, and saw a nice uh, a sunrise, and I told her that I'm in. I am in, I'm not sure it's ever going to stop raining San Luis Obispo. Um, and, and we'll talk about, there's some, uh, there's some synergy there from, uh, you, you growing up, but, uh, mm-hmm. so, um, uh, Brigan is currently the community lead at Creatable. Mm-hmm. And by the time this podcast launches, uh, it sounds like she won't be doing that anymore, but we'll, uh, we'll talk about, we'll talk about that and, and we'll talk about what the next steps might be and all of that. But, uh, uh, and and I don't know if I said already, but you're a 2017 graduate of our program, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Awesome, awesome. So tell us where where you grew up, Regan. Yeah, I grew up in Woodenville, Washington. So it's just outside Seattle. It rains right. a lot there. It rains so a lot. <laughs> not, not foreign to that, but uh, it's a small town, and it was a great place to grow up. I bet. So tell us a little bit more about um, Woodenville. Now, it's, it's a it's a suburb, a suburb of Seattle. So um, yes. I would assume a lot of tech influences because of Microsoft and all of that, right? Yes. At the time, most of the kids I knew, their parents worked at Microsoft. Uh-huh. I was an anomaly in uh-huh. that sense. Um, but oh, also... What did, what did your parents do? Oh, yeah. Uh, My dad is a traveling salesman in the water sports industry. So he sells fun toys, surfboards, wakeboards, kayaks, paddleboards, all of the fun stuff. And my mom is in the fitness world and teaches yoga and bar and Pilates and nice. Nice. I love it. I love it. Very cool. So I kind of interrupted you. What what else were you going to say there about Woodenville? Oh, it's just, it was a, it was a great, you know, outdoorsy town. Um, okay. Over time, you might, people might know it from the wineries, uh, Chateau Saint-Michel, um, big winery town. So a lot of wineries that probably people know and have purchased from are located yeah. in Woodville. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I don't, um, I I had not thought about that, but yes, absolutely. I've heard of Chateau Saint-Michel. So that's, um, that's awesome. Very cool. What about siblings? Do you have any brothers and sisters? Yes, I have two amazing older brothers. Um, oh. They both live in Washington and we're super close. And one of them just visited me in Australia. Right on, right on. Oh, shout out to the big bros. Um, so that's cool. Uh, what about growing up? So if you had a dad as a traveling uh a salesman in the water sports industry and a mom as a yogi. Um, that's uh, I bet that was a, I bet that was pretty cool growing up. You had access to all kinds of stuff. What did, what did you get into? Oh, we were very creative kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, played a lot outside. We did a lot of the water sports. We learned them young. Mm-hmm. We went to the mountains often, I, my parents are a little bit hippies, so there was a lot of, uh, you know, school days that we spent wellness days out in nature, going skiing, playing outside. Nice. 
I love that. That makes that makes me smile very much as a as a neo hippie. I, I, I'm like a <laughs> wannabe hippie, right? <laughs> followed uh, followed fish in the Grateful Dead. That's my neo hippie. Yeah, <laughs> that's my neo hippiness coming out. Um, but uh, uh, so so talk to talk to us a little bit more uh, about your jam growing up. Did you get into sports? Did you get into mm-hmm. arts, theater? As you got a little bit older, what did you get into? Yeah, very active kids. So anything my parents would let me sign up for, I was all in on. Yeah. And having three kids, they were running around like chickens with their head cut off, making sure we could get to everything we needed to get to. Um, I did basketball, gymnastics, but really loved individual activities like uh, you know, wakeboarding or surfing or water skiing. I really thrived right. when I could be outside and right. wasn't contained by practices and and coaches right. and whatnot. Right. I love that you add surfing in there. Where did where did you surf there in Seattle? Can you surf well, there in Seattle? It's not as fun as California or anywhere else or right. Australia. Oh right. my goodness, it's amazing right. here. Clear water, yeah. uh, dark, cold not the same surfing that you see in slow. Right. And right. we also did a lot behind the boat too. So the endless wave oh, you can ride oh, right. behind the boat. Oh, right. That's cool. That's cool. I love it. Um, so talk to us, you know, I've, I've talked to a number of, um, of alumni over the years and had a number of students in my classes over the years um, from the Seattle area. It seems like there's a bit of a pipeline down the Cal Poly from uh, from Seattle. Talk to us about uh, that process. I think it's uh, especially interesting to hear um, out-of-state students and their perspective. You know, when I started, I, I don't know mm-hmm. if I've told this before, but when I started at Cal Poly in 2006, my very first class, there was one kid out of the 46 that was out of state. And I was like blown away. And I remember going and asking Dr. Hendricks and he was like, oh yeah, we're 97% in state. And I was like, 97%, right? And um, and now it's something like, I, I think it's like maybe in the eighties, um, we obviously expanded out of state significantly over the last 20 years, but talk to us about that, uh, that process. how did you, how did you find out about Cal Poly? Yeah, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because yeah. When I was a junior in high school, I knew so many seniors who were going to Cal Poly, and I had never really heard of it prior to then. Funny enough, behind, you know, uh, University of Washington, Western, Washington State, Mm -hmm. Cal Poly was one of the top schools people in my class went to, which was just really surprising. I think one of elements is I, I was a part of a, a program called DECA. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but it's a entrepreneurship and leadership club uh-huh. um, that you, you know, you get the opportunity to present in front of business leaders, your ideas on yep. different things like hospitality and tourism, whatever uh-huh. your category might be. So I was a big part of that. And um, honestly, I struggled with classroom learning. I did not thrive in the environment. And, right. and I, I just mentioned that because DECA and business program like this was perfect for someone like me who loved hands-on, learn by doing. To find out that's the Cal Poly motto was learn by doing. So um, my DECA advisor actually mentioned it to me. 
specifically hospitality and tourism. That was that was one of the concentrations yeah. and thought it might be a good fit for someone who I wasn't sure if I was going to go to college. I, like I mentioned, struggled in the classroom and wasn't sure if I was going to want right. to finish high school to then go into college. And when right. I went to Cal Poly and toured it and heard learn by doing and all of the internship opportunities and how the classroom learning really applied in the real world. Yeah. It totally clicked and it was, I only applied to two schools and was really glad when I got into Cal Poly because that awesome. was the only place I wanted to go. Awesome. What a great story. That is so cool. I love, I love hearing that. And um, obviously we, we love when we hear, um, when we hear students who, who are attracted to that, to that learn by doing uh, mantra and uh and 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 get a get a chance to to come and experience it and so that's fabulous so let's talk a little bit about your experience once you got here you know um i like to ask this question i know it's um i, I know it's hard right <laughs> when you think about four years to think about like one thing that sticks out right mm-hmm. but uh is there is there a moment or is there an experience or is there a a set of friends or whatever it might be like that, that yeah. really sticks out as a memory. Oh, so t- pick just one. Yeah, uh, I, I have to give a nod to the friend group because they are what made me keep coming back to Cal Poly. You yeah. know, when you miss home yeah. and you're homesick in Washington and you love yeah. your community, it was the friends I made. Okay. That's it. I'll say, but, but the real memorable thing I got to, I got to mention something from my major and it was getting to work with the association downtown slow on the holiday parade Yeah, was an absolute game changer for me. Uh-huh. First of all, I thought it was so amazing that a bunch of college kids got to go work on, you know, what pins do we use? How do we organize the the floats? Uh, it was the year of the Ruby slippers, no, no place like Sloan. And it just really was, had such an impact on me and also an impact on the direction I wanted to go and, and uh, had a lot of takeaways from that short opportunity. I love it. And it's so cool to hear you, you say that. And, um, you know, it's amazing where you find inspiration and, and, um, and where you, uh, you know, you can, you can feel, uh, you know, you have that, a memory like that. That's so cool. I love hearing that. Um, so tell us, uh, when you look back and think about professional development, right? I mean, you, your memory there was a little bit, uh, you know, obviously was was involving some form of professional development, but is there experience or um, or somewhere you worked or somewhere like that or something like that while you were in school that you look back and you go, oh, wow, that really helped to launch me um, to do what I'm doing now or or, you know, what you've done? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I think looking back, there was a lot of experiences that culminated, you know, in into mm-hmm. where I am now. But I think I just learned like how important details are and how important getting to know your audience was in so many of my jobs and at Cal Poly. And I can't pinpoint a specific moment in time, but really just that key takeaway of it's important to know the people and the details. That's that's great. I love that. So tell me about your 
your internship, right? I uh, our, our current students in particular, who are one of our big markets, right? And in, in uh, with this podcast, they they love to hear the story about uh, how you found your internship and what you did. So uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I was interviewing for a few internships off the back of Cal Poly and. Some of them were actually through speakers that had come to our classroom. So I I wanted to go into hotels right out of school, hospitality, tourism. Um, So I had a couple of different options there. And I landed on a resort called Semiamu, which is located in Blaine, Washington, right on the Canadian border. Absolutely stunning. Quick plug if you're looking for a vacation place. (laughs) (laughs) It's excellent. I I went in as an activities coordinator. So Mm -hmm. worked, you know, health club, beach activity center, lots Mm -hmm. of fun stuff. My role was basically to bring the fun to this resort that was going through a lot of transition and change. And it was a wonderful opportunity. I loved having the internship framework going into this. It made it really easy to communicate. Um, it provided an opportunity for check-ins with my manager, knowing that I had to, you know, circle back some things to Cal Poly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a really great opportunity. And when summer ended and the, the busy season ended at that resort, I was ready for my next role. I love it. I love it. So, so let's talk about um, that next role and um, a, a little a little company that I'm sure not too many people <laughs> have heard of um, called uh, Lulu Lamon. <laughs> I, I joke because the, the very first time that I actually said Lululemon in class, I said Lululemon and um and everyone just like cracked up. And I was like, uh what? And they're like, <laughs> not French. And I was like, oh, what? It's Lululemon? And they're like, yep. So I yeah. like the way you say it. It sounds I, fancy. It does sound <laughs> fancier, doesn't it? Lululemon. Uh, but uh, tell us about uh, tell us about how you got the position with um, Lululemon and what that what that experience was. You know, you 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 moved up. You know, you you started. Uh, I guess you started at the bottom, so to speak, right? And yeah. you moved up through several different roles. Um, finally ending up as a regional community lead and assistant manager. So what was that? Um, what was that like working for a company like Lululemon? And and you, you know, you worked there for uh what almost four years and and during a period where Lululemon really exploded into the mainstream. So what was that like? Oh, it was it was wonderful. It was a a company that really it was unexpected. Um, like I said, I was looking for a transition. I wanted to get into more community events. And I heard of a position at Lululemon where you were a part-time educator. So think like retail associate. Uh And then you also were in charge of community building for that particular store. And so it was a really interesting position. Um, and I had worked retail before. I, I didn't necessarily see that as as my long haul career, but I enjoyed it. I love getting to talk to people. So it, it's a pretty natural fit for someone like me. But the community building was what I was really craving. Yeah. And when I joined Lululemon, there was opportunity for growth. So like you mentioned, I moved from you know a community specialist working at one store to leading the Pacific Northwest and 10 stores. Um, in their community strategy, which was so great. So, you know, think Lululemon events that people might know of, um, 
in-store stuff, ambassadors. I had the opportunity to work with over 40 ambassadors that are not just focused on fitness. I think this was a big learning, but they're activists, artists, speakers. Um, They're in so many different avenues. And what I found with Lululemon is, it sounds like I drank the Kool-Aid here a little bit, but it was so much more than stretchy pants. Like they genuinely wanted to connect the brand to the community that the stores were in. And so that's kind of where I found this skill that I have of connecting people to a brand or an organization um, through events and through getting to know them. (laughs) So yeah, the Lululemon experience was, was really incredible. And um, if you are looking to get into community and events, it's a great place to start. I love it. I love it. And you know, I, um, I, I hate to bring up a, a stupid comedian, but I'm going to bring up a stupid comedian. Um, you know, I, I I didn't get through very much of it at all, but I I, I tried to to watch the most recent um, Chris Rock special on Netflix, and um, I probably shouldn't even bring this up because now people are going to click on it and go go watch it. But um, it just it just really kind of infuriated me, and I know that comedy is comedy or whatever, but. He like brought up this whole element um, of Lululemon and 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 basically was like, um, you know, I don't want who who wants a hundred dollar uh, yoga pants um, just because they're uh, trying to save the world and just because they are mm-hmm. not racist. I'd rather pay twenty dollars for racist yoga pants. And I was just like, you know what? I mean, it's just such a, it's, I, I know you're trying to be funny and all, and it's yeah. like, you know, this whole like attack on, on um, companies that are trying to do good in this world. Right. And, and that's just like that mindset of like attacking. I know he's just trying to be funny, mm-hmm. but for mo- a lot of people, I'm what I'm afraid the message is is that that's ridiculous for companies to try to do good. And that is the wrong message that we need to be sending in a capitalistic society. That is what we used to be, you know, where mm-hmm. we didn't care about what companies stood for, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and and I felt like I was like, I really wanted to take Chris Rock and go, you know what you need? You don't need a slap like Will Smith. <laughs> you need a lesson on experience design, right? You need a lesson on co- creating experiences mm-hmm. with your clients and with your customers. And yes, I'm sorry, Chris, but a lot of people do want their yoga pants to come with a good message and with a company they feel like they can invest in. And if they're going to do that, they're they're more willing to pay the $100 because they know it's going to last and they know it's doing good, right? Same thing for like Patagonia and all these yes. companies, you know? And so um, I don't know. You you gave me an opportunity to get on my soapbox, Bregan. I'm sorry. I love it. I'm with you 100. <laughs> <laughs> percent I had I had to defend um, my my uh, my friends at, at Lululemon there. So uh, so I, I, let's talk about. Um, it, it must have been hard leaving uh, Lululemon. Um, you 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 moved up the ladder. So talk about. I think it's important for people, whether it's young professionals or students or or who it is, you know, I mean, I think there's this there's this stereotype of your generation, you know, whether it be the the generations that came before you, the millennials or your generation 
of like, you know, just leaving companies and, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's, it's all like, you know, one company to the next, but you, mm-hmm. you stayed for almost four years with Lululemon. And um, so I imagine that was hard to transition. Talk to us about that um, process. Yeah, it was, it was so challenging. And I, one of the biggest challenges was leaving the people behind not, not that I left them behind. So that's not the right phrase, but going on and doing something different and losing that community or, or, you know, making my role different in that community, I guess is a better way of putting it. And I still keep in touch on social media and in person with so many of the amazing people I met at Lululemon, but it, it was hard to walk away from this engaging, brilliant, Chain like making change in Seattle and beyond right. group of people. Right. And I think to be honest, I was just ready for my next professional step. Mm-hmm. And I was reached out to by a recruiter at this company called Section Four. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard of them. Right. And it's uh the face of the brand is Scott Galloway, an NYU professor. Uh-huh. I started doing research and went through the interview process and continued my work in community on in a virtual global scale, right. which was a great move for me to be able to extend beyond just the Pacific Northwest with customers from all over the world. Yeah. That's how I have my current job today. <laughs> I was going to say, I guess that what that's what led to your current job today. So, so tell us about that. So you, you, you started, um, in a, in a virtual position. Is that what you did? And then, yes. um, because, uh, section four is located in New York city, like you said, right. And, um, yeah. so they allowed you to work mobile. Um, what was that like? Tell us about that experience. Obviously it was, um, during the pandemic, pandemic that you yeah. first started, you weren't, it wasn't like the height of the pandemic. It was in 2021, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us what that was like. And, and what did you, what did you learn from working, uh, working mobile? Yeah. So when I started at section four, like you said, they were based in New York, they had just given up their lease and they were wow. going full remote. full remote. Everyone can work anywhere in the world, which was of great benefit to me because I, wasn't interested at that time in moving to New York. York So so, uh, it was a very good opportunity. I joined them remotely. They did a really great job of building connection remotely with the team. And then because of the nature of the business and my role in particular, I was leading all virtual events and, you know, virtual sessions with customers, getting them onboarded into into our platform. Mm -hmm. And that's the great benefit of being remote is that people could take our courses from India, from Australia, from, you know, everywhere in the world, there was people taking these courses and they had time because it was pandemic times. Things were a little bit slower. So business was booming. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. So talk to us about what you learned from the, from your virtual virtual, uh, virtual events experience there, right? I imagine you built a lot of new skills that you didn't already have. Um, Obviously, you were working events with Lululemon. And there Mm -hmm. were there were things that you I'm sure learned there as well. But, but, um, you know, the virtual event space is a different space. And um, obviously, during the pandemic, so many people had to pivot in the events world to learn that virtual Mm -hmm events. Um, so what advice would you give? What did you learn? That sort of thing. 
Yeah. I think we can all say that we were sick of Zoom at some point or another yeah. in the last three years. Yeah. So the biggest thing was how can we make this feel a little bit different? You know, you're sitting in meetings a majority of the day if you're in the business world and virtual or in the classroom virtually. Yeah. And so really my biggest challenge and and role was to one, make people feel welcome in a virtual space. It's not the same as when they walk in and see you and feel your energy. So how can we have that happen virtually? And Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest things I learned and one of my go-to things is to try to interact with people before a virtual session, after a virtual session, during, via Slack, and using names and really making people feel invited into the space by connecting with them personally. Um, So whenever I walk into a space, I always try to say, it's good to see some familiar faces, Brian. It's so nice to see you or, you know, whoever it might be to just acknowledge the fact that they showed up and that they're in the, in the space with you. I think that's such great advice, Brigan. You know, I, one of the things that I struggled with so much, um, you know, obviously we're in, when we were in the height of the pandemic, um, and we, and we were forced into the virtual space. Mm-hmm. It was fine because we were like, it was like this thing where we were trying to rally for our students, right? And and we we did that, right? And then and then we had, um, I, I guess this was last academic year. We had this weird one where we were like, there was still infection and there were still like concerns, and and so you we kind of did this like halfway. Mm-hmm. Right. Where I would have Zoom on in the classroom and I gave them the option. And that just was like just miserable, to be quite mm-hmm. honest with you. And and I think the problem was that it felt like a way of being disengaged. Right. Like I'm not going to show up today if I want to be disengaged. I'll just go to Zoom. And so it was all these black screens, you know, and like maybe one or two would video on but mostly they didn't because they didn't want to be displayed on the screen. You know what I mean? And so I love what you said that, that, that connection and, and just saying someone's name, like Mm -hmm. the power of that, right. Is, is a huge element of, of our interactions and um, being back in the classroom now um, I see that, I see that more and more. um, and, And, but, but now we, we do, we have, so many of our meetings and whatnot, like you mm-hmm. said, over Zoom. So I think that's just uh, such great advice to, of making that connection um, is, is so valuable. So talk to us about um, we're we're up to your current day. Tell us how how you got to Sydney and yeah. what you're doing with Creatable. So tell us what Creatable is first of all, and um, and how you ended up in um, in Sydney, Australia for. Uh, for Creatable? Yes. So I actually met Greg, who is the one of the co-founders and head of Creatable through Section 4. He was taking business upskilling classes to launch and pivot his startup that he had been running for six years. Uh-huh. And so I met him through there and we just connected. At the time, he had said, hey, if you're ready for your next play, let me know. Well, a year okay. and a half, almost two years later, I was ready for my next my next move. And Greg and I quickly connected. And so Creatable is just changing the game 
in education space. They are partnered with UNICEF and doing projects in Burundi, one of the poorest countries in the world. They also provide professional development for teachers, um, K through 12 primarily. However, if you ever want to check it out, let me know uh, for for teachers of any stage. But um, so so my role at Creatable is to help onboard principals and teachers to get into this professional development that's based on industry, future ready skills. It sounds like buzzwords, but you know, when you think of you want your kids to be more imaginative or more evaluative or, or these things that are maybe not measured in the classroom, but are measured in whole person, you know, showing up in the workplace. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of skills that Creatable focuses on bringing into these K through 12 classrooms. I love it. I love it. And, um, and creatable is such a great name too. I just, uh, I was just drawn to that. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I saw, um, and I told, uh, we'll, we'll give a little secret here. Like when, if you, uh, if you are one of the first ones to, um, to like uh, a podcast post that I make, right? I, I naturally I see that, right? And so I saw Bregan, um, Bregan did that for one of the recent podcasts, and I was like, oh my god, that looks like a fabulous role, creatable. What is that? And I mm-hmm. I looked into it, and I was like, oh wow, it looks like she's in in Sydney. This will be mm-hmm. fun. And so um, and so yeah, that's a little secret to getting on the podcast, <laughs> there, right? Right, right Bregan. We, we're giving out the secrets <laughs> today, but um, so tell us uh. How how you ended up in in Sydney? What what what, what oh, was yeah. that about? Yeah, yeah. So Creatable. When I joined, I joined remotely, and in October, it's March now. Just depending on when this podcast come out for context, right. I joined in October. I worked remotely until January, where I made the move down to Sydney with the goal of meeting my team because I am the only employee located outside of the greater Sydney area. Oh, okay. There's there's only eight employees at this point in time. So right. it was it was great for me to get to meet the team in person and also to go meet with customers. So I've spent a lot of my time in Sydney actually getting to go to schools. Mm-hmm. Right now, uh, Creatable is in New South Wales and in Victoria with the goal to later expand within Australia and outside of Australia. And so my time here has just been spent getting to go to schools, meet with customers, work on their experience and get them to adopt the product. I love it. And are they able to understand your, uh, understand your accent? Oh, you'll laugh. I, I did have one person ask me what I was saying when I said emu. Ah. The, the animal they uh-huh. pronounce emu differently they do and yes <laughs> so it's little things here and there yeah uh, but overall the communication and uh, my li- lingo versus their lingo uh-huh. we're, we're we're doing just fine <laughs> you're, you're merging them together awesome what, what's your uh tell us what your favorite um your favorite aussie phrase that you've learned keep it pg now <laughs> yeah, know, you got I know, it. I know Aussies are a little are a little irreverent. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because it's things I've heard back home, but I hear them more frequently here. And wow. and I think my favorite that I've been using is uh hitting the mark but missing the point. Mm. Has been a very commonly used phrase among educators wow. here wow. and among 
like in the business world, which okay. I just found, I was like, yes, you know, you're hitting the mark, but you're missing the point of what, whatever, whatever the thing is. is. Right. Yeah. But I think that's a fun one. Also, they, they shorten things like mosquito bites or mozzies ah. and air conditioning is air con, you know? Oh, okay. <laughs> just a few little fun <laughs> ones. That I, I like that. Mozzies. I've never heard that one before, man. Growing up in North Carolina, I got, I got too many mossies. Uh, so that's uh, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So tell us, um, tell us a little bit more, um, about what you've learned um, being an, in the startup space, right? And so, um, I, I imagine I imagine that's a, a little bit different um, from working uh, with a company like Lululemon. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what's it like to to work with a, a team that's only eight eight strong? Yeah, I there's so many benefits mm -hmm. to working with a small team. The ability to get to decisions faster because you have the CEO right there in the room. The ability to pivot and make changes on a dime is probably one of my favorite parts. If something's not working, it's so much easier to change it because you're building the plane while you're flying it. So you you really have the opportunity to be creative and be flexible and quickly adapt, which I think teaches you a lot of good skills. I also will say, I personally like this part, but you wear so many hats. You know, you don't have a data entry person or someone building, doing code. So you often find yourself learning new random skills like video editing or uh -huh. some days I just do data entry, you uh -huh. know, because it's what's necessary to keep the business moving forward. And yeah. I've learned things that I would have never thought I wanted to do. But like, you know, uh, it's just it's a really neat opportunity to wear a lot of hats if that's something you're interested in. And if it's something you you don't mind trying things on um, because you're not always focused on, you know, what you were hired to do. There are often times where you will find yourself and I find myself speaking first person. I find myself doing tasks that I aren't in my role description, but there I am doing it and making it work because that's what needs to be done. Right. I, I love that. And that's so great. And that can actually, that can really help you as you move forward in your career. And, and um, because, you know, you can talk knowledgeably, knowledgeably about a lot of different areas and, um, and potentially, you know, help in a lot of different areas. And so I, I love that. So talk to us a little bit. I know we we started this podcast. Well, actually, before we before we clicked play on the podcast, um, you and you and I were talking, and I guess um, you'll be leaving you'll be leaving Sydney in a couple of weeks, right? And um, and you're not sure about your next step. You're kind of you're kind of venturing out into the the great unknown, um, back to the Pacific Northwest, I guess, right? Um, yes. Uh, but you'll be you'll be looking for roles. Is that right? What you what are what are you thinking? What's your thought process as of right as of right now? Yes. Well, I will have my last week with Creatable next week. I am so proud of what I've accomplished and how adoption has, you know, skyrocketed since mm -hmm. I joined the team, which is really great. And I'm excited to head back to the Pacific Northwest. And as I look for my next role, I know I'm looking for something that keeps me close to the customers or employees and really connects them to a brand or organization. So 
with my experience, you know, customer success manager roles are really interesting. I also think any sort of community building roles are what I'm looking for. And I like remote work. So I think that will be one of the things I prioritize for my lifestyle. Uh, Remote work is is great and hybrid would be even better. Mm -hmm. So we will see what's possible. But I have been already looking at my network and uh, I have support of my creatable team ever finding my next role. So it is a good place to be. And I'm definitely looking forward to whatever comes next. I love it. I love it. And, um, and, you know, for those of you out there who uh, listen to the podcast and you need, um, you need some, a bright and talented uh, person like Bregan, um, you, you've got, uh, you give her, give her a holler on, uh, on LinkedIn and, uh, or uh, give her a holler. Golly. I just, uh, I just went back to my North Carolina roots there, you know, <laughs> give her a holler. Um, have I ever, have I ever told you, you ever heard me tell the story about the, the fact that I got to know the, um, the the national hollering champ pretty well oh no you'll have to tell the story now i <laughs> know <laughs> i do i know i'm like i can't bring that up without saying uh so yeah my um one of my good friends um uh, got to know uh the uh the and and this um gentleman i'm i'm like totally totally spacing on his name but he's like the 10 time national hollering champion and um most people would be like or like out there are probably like what and that's like a real thing like um i, I can't i don't want to do it too loud i don't want to bust anybody's ears but they're like oh la, 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 like that they like the the idea of like really hollering um came about in the mountains of um of Appala- of appalachia right the appalachian mountains um that that run up and down the 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 eastern um the eastern seaboard of of uh the united states and the idea is that you were hollering to the next farm over right or you're hollering to the next people the people that are you know uh, a ways away because when you're in the country right you know you you got to have a you got to have a voice you got to be able to project that voice and uh and so yeah when we were going to bluegrass festivals in my 20s and 30s um, we ended up getting to know him and he would do like we were sitting around the fire late at night, um, you know, uh, passing a bottle of whatever around, you know, moonshine or whatever it was. Uh, we would talk him into doing a holler and it was, people would come. We'd be, you know, we it would be a campsite for for a bluegrass festival. Right. And people would hear the hollering and they would come from like a long ways away to hear what the hollering was, you know? And so it was kind of, it was really, <laughs> really quite fun. Um, someone and someone, once this gets posted, um, will hear this Brigan and they'll, they'll post his name. I'm embarrassed. I can't remember his name, <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, give Brigan a, uh, don't give, bring it up, but don't give Brigan a <laughs> holler, uh, send her a note on LinkedIn instead. How's that? But, uh, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, one of the things I like to close on is, uh, is for you to give, uh, your, your junior year self some advice. If you could go back in time to either your junior or senior year, what advice would you give yourself? I would say, don't be afraid to say yes to opportunities Ah, because here I am in Australia 
Right. And throughout my career, I've just learned to say yes and see where things take me. And it's yeah. lo and behold, always turned out pretty good. Uh, yeah. I should knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> it's always turned out pretty good. So um, just be open to all right. the possibilities that are available. And um, there's so much out there that you don't, <laughs> to Junior Brigham, there's so much out there that you don't know about mm-hmm. and things can change. And so just be really open. And uh, I would have said that advice to myself then. I'd say it to myself now. Stay open, stay curious, say yes to things. Love it. And keep building your network because that is crucial. Having connections and relationships that go beyond school and your workplace um, as both confidants and to, to help you with whatever you're working on next is really important. Two pieces of advice, <laughs> three maybe. It. That was a, there was a few it. there. No, those are great pieces of advice, and uh, thank you so much. I mean, you know, you wouldn't have uh, you wouldn't have seen that beautiful sunrise this morning, right? If you hadn't said yes to those opportunities, and uh, just can't thank you enough, Regan, for spending the time with us today, and uh, and wish you a good day. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a good day. All right. See ya. Bye.